0: This is Darren Davis, founder and senior leader of the Harbor Church in South Florida, and you are listening to the Harbor Church Podcast. For more information about this podcast and others, visit us online at harborchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Well, Wendy, my wife, is in Columbia, South Carolina with her mom. She's having and has had actually one of uh, cataract and lens replacement surgeries and needed her daughter's help. And so Wendy uh, chose to fly up and just be with her mom. And the next one is going to be happening this next Monday. So I'm, I'm trying to, to survive at the house off of no cooking. Can I get it in? You know, just <laughs> whatever it takes, you know, to get by. Um, and so surviving the time, but excited to um, bring the word of the Lord to you today. You know, one of the things that Wendy asked while she was away, she's like, Darren, can I sign up um, again for Ancestry.com. dot com, and I, if you guys have if you guys heard of this, like where you know you can give your DNA sample so the government can follow you. No, I'm, I'm joking, but but it it reveals it reveals to you your, your your genetic DNA and code. In fact, now they've made it to 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 to, to dialed into such a degree that you can actually see the, the exact genetic code percentage that you have from. Your paternal side and from your maternal side. So when he sent me one of these reports, and it's fascinating to see. And then it's cool because you can, you know, get connected, you know, through information of, you know, great great grand, great 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 grandparents and, and different things like that. So when I was when I was thinking about that, I felt the Lord just kind of lead me uh, to the book of Third John, and really this book is all about our genetic code. In Jesus and really even beyond in Jesus in the church itself and like where I think it's so you know the reason I think people are so drawn to this is because they want to know who they are they want to understand their purpose and their meaning in life and they want to be empowered in it to live a life of significance right where when we take our last breath we can say man my life mattered it was valuable and there's there's a lot of discovery that goes on in the inside of the human heart to really figure out, like, who exactly am I? So that's my mission today, is to just, by the grace of God, show you a little bit more clearer who you actually are in your genetic code in the Lord. And so what I'm going to do, and this is a first, I'm going to teach you an entire book of the... I just saw some just breath just go to people, oh my gosh. (laughs) Pastor Darren's going to teach us an entire book of the Bible. Listen... I'm going easy on you today because Third John is just one book with one chapter with only fifteen verses. Can I get an amen? So it's not going to be an arduous task, but I believe that there's something to this book and it's so isn't it powerful where if we could have ears to hear today, we could walk out of this building, all of us have a greater understanding of who we are and say, hey, I know an entire book of the Bible, you know? <laughs> that it, I get the whole concept of this entire book. Don't tell them it's, it's third John, all right? Let them think it maybe is something else. But anyhow, that's the, that's the mission today. And we're going to look at this, um, this aspect of our DNA that is two words, faithful and True. We could could change the world. If this persona that Jesus carried and the church has carried over generations and millennia, if we could carry that, we could see our world changed. We could see South Florida, the United States, and beyond changed by just a few in his hand that are faithful. So, Lord, would you give us insight today into our genetic code, who we really are, for those that have given their hearts over to the Lordship of Jesus and to those who are maybe sensing and and urging along those lines, would you come and would you speak to us today so that we can say yes and amen and align with who we were always created to be? We love you, Lord. Move upon your written word and the word that you will speak to our hearts, even in this place, in Jesus' name. So here's what I want to do. I want to just hone in on one particular verse, and it's going to actually, in 3 John, first chapter, only chapter, that will actually be like a foundation from which I'm going to work with you this morning. So I need you to work with me. I want you to engage, I want you to give some feedback. I want you to take notes on this one because I think this is going to be something important that you are to glean for yourself. Take it, study it out. You know, don't just stop here on this on this uh, Sunday morning time, but take it, give some give some emphasis to it yourself in your own time. But look what he writes here in Third John chapter one, verse two. He says, "Beloved friend, I could just stop right there because." This is, the word of God is so powerful and profound. Like every word and the placement of every word is, is so important and has such meaning. John the beloved, the one who had probably the closest, uh, most intimate walk with Jesus, now is manifesting the very nature of that himself as he's writing to his beloved friends. These are not just words. These, this is not just hyperbole this is something that actually was taking place between him and the ones that he was now encouraging and ministering to in the book of Third John. So when I, when I, why do I say that? I say that because we're not just kind of reading just letters on a page. We're trying to get the heart of God for what he's up to as it relates to the context of the text. So that we can grab a hold of it and go, oh, I see, I get it. And not just be in some religious mindset, but be in a relational posture. To say, wow, here's a man that's writing something profound to his friends. And not only just to his friends, but to his beloved friends. What if love was sweeping through the body like never before in human history in our generation? Where we could look at each other and not just say, hey, how you doing? But, But really look at each other and go, hey, beloved friend. Not only a friend of mine, but a friend of the bridegroom himself. This is a massive thing that's transpiring. Now, he continues and he says, I pray for you. Again, not just religious activity it's because of the yearning of his heart for these ones that he calls friends he now is moved with compassion to pray for them and here's what he says and it's so interesting that julie touched on the prosperity thing because there's an there's an aspect to that this morning that i want to talk about but i want to talk about soul prosperity which will actually lead to prosperity in other ways and other dimensions but look what he says he says i pray that you are prospering in every way Every way, so there's no limitations, and that you will continually enjoy good health mm, i don 't want to get diverted here, but like i 've just seen such an such a, a, adverse attack against beautiful believers to their health that how many of you know that that, that affects us in the way that, that we 're able to live out this life for the Lord so he 's praying for that, but he says, pray in every way that you would prosper and that you would continually enjoy good health. Now catch this. This is the key part of the verse I want you to grab a hold of. Just as your... Oh, come on, help me out. Just as your soul is prospering. Okay, so if you can see just how the construction of this, this sentence is, is put together, the foundation for everything else that is, is bringing forth life, the life of God in our lives, flows and ebbs from prosperity of soul. Just the other day, I was meeting with a, a young guy in our church. We were connecting overhearing a conversation that was going on at the other table. Wasn't trying to eavesdrop, but it was just one of those, you know, where you just couldn't help but hear kind of thing because they were talking at a higher volume. And it was a young, younger millennial uh, girl who was uh, a pretty high-up executive in some corporation that she was on a board with. And she was talking to an older lady, and they were having conversation about some challenges going on within um, the organization. And as I was listening to the conversation, my heart started getting moved because I'm like, man, the perspective of this young millennial, that the, the older one was trying to, trying to get her to shift her thought process over into some, some good thinking, you know, like, hey, I, maybe you're looking at this a little wrong. It, it, was, it was stemming from like a, a brokenness to her soul. Really, at the end of the day, she was talking about how, you know, she just wants to, she she oftentimes will just jump in and become the victim, take the hit, because, you know, she'd rather have that happen to her. It was just, there was just some dysfunction in it, and and what was coming to my mind is, man, God is wanting to prosper our souls as the church, so that we can go and extend the love of God to other people in a healthy way, where we can look at them and say, beloved friend, I'm praying that you would prosper in every way, just as your souls prosper because we're now walking. That out now. There's a there's a lot I could talk about as it relates to soul prosperity, but the soul is simply three things: it's your mind, it's your will, and your emotions. I'm gonna say that again: the soul of man which is tied and linked to our spirit, which will live forever. You guys know that, right? We will live as spirit beings, one day reunited with a resurrected body in the age to come. But for now, we are walking in this, this thing called the tent of, of, of God's creation, our human bodies. And there's something deeper within us, and it's called our soul. And our soul is all about our mind, our will, and our emotions, how we think, which causes and affects how we act, which in actions, you know, determines in many ways emotions, positive or or, or negative. So the process of soul health, which is such an important topic, is where we partner with the grace of God or God's divine enabling power and others. Okay, I'm just walking it out with Jesus, Darren. No, 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 no. Yeah, you... Not when you're married or not when you have family or when you have... Listen, it's going to be a partnership with God and it's going to be a partnership with others to get our souls in a place of health where we do three things. We begin to dismantle ungodly belief systems are things that we feel are 100% true when they're actually total and complete lies. This is where the mind begins to be affected by the grace of God. All right, number two, where we overcome destructive lifestyle patterns. Why is it so quiet in here this morning? <laughs> destructive lifestyle patterns. How many of you know that's not God's will for our lives? And the majority of that stuff, and if actually all of that stuff, flows out of unhealthy belief systems. When you believe a lie, it's going to produce destructive lifestyle patterns that will affect your relationships it'll affect your destiny and this is why john John is praying out of a sincere heart with everything that's in him that he wants to see them prosper in their souls foundationally so that everything can be set in a healthy manner as they live their lives in god and the last thing is breaking dysfunctional emotional cycles where we don't have to be up, and then down, and then up, and then down, 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 and then up, 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 and then down again. Not that, that, not that we won't experience some of those feelings, but we'll start to steady and level a little bit. You know, as we walk through challenges and through adversities. But here's where I want to go this morning. I believe the fruit, because this is the, the, the topic at hand today, the fruit of prosperity of soul, please hear me is the manifest nature of Jesus in our lives to be faithful and true. Love looks like something. God's essence looks like something. And so when we're prospering in our soul, the fruit of that is the nature of Jesus. Wow. You know, this is not rockets. It's like... Jesus was the firstborn of what? Many brothers and sisters, right? So he came and he set an example. He was fully God. And yet he was fully man. To walk this thing out for us. And John beheld it. He saw this one. He tasted of him. He touched him. He he, he walked hand in hand closer than anybody else. So he knew what was possible. And now he's experiencing this for himself. And he's coming to a church and and giving them a letter so that they may be experiencing it as well. He continues in verse 3. He said, I was filled with joy and delight That's where joy will start to really manifest in the church as as Sarah was praying today and delight. When the brothers arrived and informed me of your faithfulness to the truth. And they told me how you continually live in the truth of Jesus Christ. So they're established. They're not not tossed to and fro, as Ephesians 4 says, with every wind of doctrine. Now they are established in the truth, and they're living in this faithfully. Verse 5, he says, my beloved friend, I commend you. For your demonstration of faithful love by all that you have done for the brothers on their journey, even though they were strangers at the time. They were, they were basically giving, um, generously to these ones that needed financial help. And he's commending them for that because it wasn't, again, just an action of obligation, but it was an, uh, it was an action from the heart. And he said, love has found its way into you. And now that love has found its way into you, you're generous, you're you're, you're operating from from a place of prosperity in your own soul that makes you generous towards other people, even people that you don't even really know. Now here's the thing, we need to remember that John is the one who saw the heavens opened in Revelation and we can see this in, in, in Revelation 19 11. But before we go there, I want to just say this. Oftentimes we'll look at books like that and we'll we'll misconstrue the, the purpose, why they're even written. You know? We focus so much on well, it, oh, it's 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 about the end times. Yes, but it's ultimately about the revealing of Jesus. And not only that, the revealing of you to the earth. Right now, I'm just finishing my book, and one of the the, the, just the basic premises of our of the book is that I really believe that there's this 11th hour generation of laborers that is going to rise up and step out in the manifest nature of God and bring transformation to the culture of this world like has never been seen before. And these ones, you can go look at it. Matthew chapter 6, it says that he, he finds them, Jesus speaking, idle in the marketplace because no one has hired them. In other words, in the places of influence. It's not, he's not talking about church buildings. He's talking about places of influence within culture and society. And they're idle. And when he asks them, why are you idle, He's, and they, they respond, and they say, because no one's hired us. In other words, there's an orphan mentality that's set in because of fatherlessness, in essence, that's in our culture. Last night, I was just talking to a guy, you know, that was here outside of our building. I was like, hey, tell me a little bit of your story, man. I had a rough upbringing, and I said, was there an absence of a father in your life? He said, man, my father died when I was a young kid, you know. And it just skewed his perspective. All kinds of lies came into his mind. It began to, to, to control his emotions. And then his will started to go down past and he got into, you know, significant trouble, ended up in prison, you know, the whole thing. And I'm looking at this guy and I'm like, man, there's potential in you. Even despite all of that. Because there's a revealing of Jesus in this hour. And not only a revealing of Jesus, but a revealing of his bride. So in Revelation nineteen eleven, it says he saw the heavens opened and suddenly appears this white horse. And I'm going to come back to that in a minute. A horse is simply a vehicle. He didn't put Tesla because there wasn't Teslas back then. Does that make sense? Jesus didn't come riding in on a white Tesla because he needed this text to translate for thousands of years. Even to the, it's not a profound, even to this day, when we see the word horse and this one riding on it, we get the concept. It's a vehicle in which he is moving and riding upon in the earth. Okay. And so he's talking about this white horse. Who is the white horse? Well, it's us, but let's, let's come back to that in just a minute. He says the name of the one Jesus who was riding upon it was called what? Faithful and true. And with pure righteousness, he judges and rides into battle. So we know there's this war. There's always been this war going on between what's possible and where we currently are. And in fact, at the end of the book in Third John, we're going to look at the story of two men's lives that I don't think has so much today now to do with their lives and where they were at. But where the, the earth is at and where God wants to actually take us. And many times, you know, we get in this place where we're like, man, that's not possible for me. I've been, I've been so Um, you know taken off course maybe there's no hope for me that's a lie God wants us to see what's possible in the midst of a comparison a lot of times we don't even know what's possible for us unless we see both sides of the coin hey you don't want this this is where I'm taking you and so Jesus is here riding upon these ones who know him white purified Pride in the grace of God, and they are manifesting faithfulness and truth in their lives. So when I look at that, I go, "Oh my gosh, this is going to happen. Can it be our generation?" You see how you got to pause. You like because otherwise it's like, "Whoa, oh, it could never happen with us. Never happen with this generation. The world's so messed up. People are dead. no, 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 no. No, let's get faith on the inside to say." This could be the generation where Jesus begins to ride upon a people that are actually going to manifest faithfulness and truth. And there needs to be minimally a Gideon army of radicals that will say, let it be me, Lord. Let it be me. I will give you everything if I could be a part of this company, if this could be the portion of my lives. And there is a hunger and a stirring that is going to be contagious to other people sorry i i personally can't go halfway in on this one i've got to go like full force in with my yes when i see something like that Ride upon me lord come through my life this isn't this isn't about some church service on sunday that jesus is talking about and some pastor who now has it all together and then he's the one that's really helping us to see the world change no it's 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 touching down upon a people a collective people who can see where we're going and get insight into it through the book of 3 John. We know that John also was the one that peered into Revelation 3, verse 14, where Jesus is writing to the church at Laodicea. Now, if you've read that verse, he's, he's, he's given them some insight on where he doesn't want them to be. He says, hey, I would rather... That you be either hot or cold, but please, please, for the sake of what I'm doing in the earth, don't stay in this lukewarmness where you're at right now. And listen, none of us are hearing any of these things through condemnation and shame. We're hearing them through the lens of a father who wants to remove anything and everything that hinders love. And he's like, don't live there. Don't. It's way better. Like, sometimes I'll tell people, hey, listen, if you're not ready for this life, like, just do whatever you want. Don't put a Christian face on this thing. It's disillusioning to people. It really is messing. Are you following me? This is really messing people up right now. A piety without a lifestyle. And we're all in process, so please, we're all in a journey here. No one can claim to have all of this 100%. But the point is, is we're moving somewhere. We're going in some direction that is a glorious direction. Even if the world, you know, experiences whatever in the coming days, there will be such glory experienced in our lives through the journey that Jesus has taken us on. Amen. Come on. we got to have hope in that. Hope. We are brokers of hope. There is a hopeful tomorrow, my friends. Would you join me in the journey of this? It's awesome. And when he's writing to the church at Laodicea, he says, these are the words of the, oh, this is so powerful, of the, you couldn't get any better than this, of the amen. In other words, there's nothing really else to say here. In our world, there's just so much talk. We just talk, 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 talk. And Jesus is just quite simply like, hey, don't live in the middle ground, hot or cold. These are the words of, of, of the amen. I'm just, it's just going to be super simple. The faithful, I love this, and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. In other words, his his power and his preeminence carries within itself the possibility for humanity to engage in something that they've never even thought was possible. You know, we used to sing hymns a long time ago Our God omnipotent reigneth. Do we even know what that means? We would just sing it, you know, it's just a hymn that we're singing omnipotent means all potential the one who carries all potential in other words anything is possible with him anything and mostly what he's trying to get at is anything's possible in my work in your heart he wants to get oh really like you could change me listen he knew exactly what he was getting into when he came and found you with his love we think the Lord's so overwhelmed by our issues. <laughs> right? We think, oh, my. he's just like, oh, my whoa, I found a doozy here. Like, oh, boy. How long must I bear with you? You know, kind of thing. Right? But in the potency of Jesus and his love to see faithfulness and truth, he is committed to the end. He will take every circumstance that was meant for your evil. He'll work it for the good of those that love him and are called according to his purpose. In the end, you're going to get beauty because that's what you were destined for. So John, as I mentioned, concludes the book and he makes a comparison as we wrap this up. You guys can come back up. He makes a comparison between two men in the church there. And as I mentioned... This was contextually relevant to them at the time. Now, you know, these guys are, are pushing up daisies over in Israel somewhere. Can I get an amen? All right, the guy that he's talking about, right? There's no relevance to us at all, like, necessarily as it relates to their lives. So what is, what is John, knowing that thousands of years from the time he writ, writ, writ this, wrote this book, what, what was his intent here? What was Holy Spirit's intent in even putting this in the book? Because he's talking about prosperity of soul. He's talking about the manifest nature of Jesus that comes forth in faithfulness and truth. Let me just digress here for just a minute. This was the issue with, with Israel. They just couldn't be faithful to God. Do you understand? It's why the whole, you know, story of, uh, what is it, the Homer, is it Homer and the prostitute? I'm trying, sorry, I'm, I'm getting, is that Right. So it's, it's basically that, that the Lord was married to somebody who just couldn't be faithful. It was impossible. Because in, outside of the grace of God, we can't be faithful. So it was a setup for what Jesus was going to come and do on the cross that would break open the potential for faithfulness in the lives of people towards him. And no longer, like, living in this obscure, you know, spirituality that had all of this flowery language, but they really weren't rooted in anything that was true. Because there was no life that was flowing into their being and out of their being. This is why, like, do you remember in the New Testament it talks about when the angels, it says, are looking at these New Testament believers, they're standing in awe and amazement. Because they're like, oh my gosh, it's happening. It's happening in their lives. Could this ever have been possible? No, outside of Jesus is coming. No. It's why, the, it's why there should be such a, a reverence and a sobriety. When we talk about the Lord and when we sing about the Lord and we, 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 we put ourselves out there before him and, and just sit and just gaze in astonishment of what he's done. And then move from that place of experience and of, of encounter into the very thing that he's called us to do. So, these two guys, one is, is found in John 3 1 9. He says, I've already written you once about this, but Diotrephus, look at this, who loves to be in charge, control issues. <laughs> Maybe a little narcissistic behavior going on here. Because he's in that posture, he wants to be recognized as the first among the church. Where Jesus clearly taught, he said, if you want to be great, you shall be the least among the brothers and sisters following this, like I want our heart. just let let our hearts tenderize a little bit this morning. The meekness of God found upon people is where the inheritance of our destiny and purpose in this earth is going to come to pass. The meek shall inherit the earth. Meekness, what is, Darren, what are you talking about? Meekness is power restrained. Where you could be the loudest, biggest voice in the room, but you choose not to. And you come low and you come as a listener. And he says he does not acknowledge our authority. He's incapable of submitting his life to anybody else. That's a problem today in the church. There's been a lot of weird authority you know, structures that have not produced you know, very good health in that space but as God is correcting that there's beautiful mutual submission that we can have to one another do you know I've been practicing this for probably the last five years there's times where I submit myself to my own children and listen to what they have to say to me so that I could learn of them the humility of those kind of moves is where, the, where God goes oh my goodness something's happening here Julie and I have talked many times about even challenges that we faced in leadership. and Like, like this guy was in many ways. Like, though he's, he's, a, he's loved by God, he was an enemy in, in some ways of what God was trying to do in the church. And, and so slander was coming. It hurts. Anybody ever had somebody say something about you that wasn't true? Accuse you of something that wasn't real? The pain of that is maybe one of the greatest pains, especially when it's someone close to you. So we need to hear his word over us. But in humility, we might even ask, like Watchman Nee did, Lord, even in the words of my enemies, that's not even true. Is there something that you want me to hear? The next guy as we close, Demetrius, 3 John 1:12. John says this. He says, Everyone, this is this is who we are. I want you to just grab that. This is who we are. Everyone speaks very highly of him. Even the truth itself stands by his side. We wholeheartedly endorse him, and you know that our recommendation is reliable how could they say that because the same thing and this is what I want to say over your life because I'm going to see it in you I'm already seeing it the recognition of what I've personally tasted from Jesus and touched when I get around people I can feel that same thing coming off of you it's beautiful it's more than beautiful It's astonishing that God somehow could take our broken, messed up lives that have experienced such pain and affliction by the adversary of our souls and somehow make beauty from that mess. This this is where the grace of God and other people are helping us to go. Whereas Jesus comes to ride upon a generation. He's riding upon a people that carry faithfulness and truth. Could we just take just a minute? We just have a few minutes left. But just could we just let these guys just play a little something? And let's just sit with this. And ask God that we wouldn't just be hearers of the word that we would be doers of the word, not out of our own ability or our own strength, but out of the grace of God to be faithful and true in the earth. And it could be said wholeheartedly and reliably of us as Jesus gives his yes and amen over our hearts that he can count us as ones faithful to this task.